Hello, these are your hosts, Grace and Kim. Hi. From the MISN CAP team, and welcome to the Real Women's Forum, where we discuss topics including, but not limited to, trust in relationships, sexual health, hygiene, racial issues, and misogyny. Recently, we have added subjects that pertain to youth and have created a section under our podcast named Adolescence with an X, where we will speak on topics that specifically relate to the youth in our community. Before we start, a small disclaimer, the Real Women's Forum podcast does not issue any medical advice. Instead, the podcast serves as a safe and brave space for women and other members of the community to discuss, voice common concerns, and share their experiences. We encourage you to visit MISN's website to seek information on our specialized programs regarding health insurance, improving birth outcomes, and educating teens on the risks of being sexually active. In this podcast episode, we will be discussing gun violence, and we understand that this is a topic that might be sensitive for some of our listeners. We urge you to do whatever you need while listening to take care of yourself and prioritize your mental health and well-being. Viewer discretion is advised. Today, we are here with Arenzo Charles from the New York State Snug Outreach Program. Welcome, Arenzo, and thank you for being here with us today. A pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So can you please introduce yourself and talk a little bit about the work that you do? Um, my pleasure. Hi again. My name is Orenzo Charles. I am from the Orange County area. And what I do is, uh, as a program manager of the Newburgh site, the New York State Snow Program, which is gun spelled backwards, we mediate conflicts to reduce the gun violence in a particular area, in a particular city. And there's 12 snug sites throughout New York State. So every snug site is stationed in, in the highest area of those cities where gun violence is prevalent. And we work in those uh, neighborhoods and we mediate as many conflicts as possible. And in the mix of us mediating conflicts, we try to mentor and establish relationships with you know, local business owners, all community members, all community officials. And we try to develop different ways and means that we can divert um, you know, kids from violence outcomes and just try to enrich as many people as we can in the midst of doing what we're doing to reduce gun violence. I don't want to make it seem like we just target gun violence because it's a wide level, it's different various issues that we can target while we're doing that. So we just try to do as much as we can with the, you know, some limited resources we have, but we try to do as much as we can with that. I definitely appreciate the holistic approach of not just thinking about the gun specifically, but also what other aspects of the community are contributing to issues relating to guns and violence and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about how SNUG got started and what drew you to work with SNUG? Well, as I learned dealing with just the human services field as a whole, I came across the SNUG program. I was just coming off of graduating from ADAC and getting my KSAC and um, opportunity presented itself in recap. So when I got involved with the SNUG program, that's when I learned that this program was already established since 2009. They were established using the Cure Violence model, which was established in Chicago. And we know they was very, you know, highly noted for the gun violence that they had. And this work started in those neighborhoods and it was very successful. So, you know, a lot of places from all over the world, not just, you know, New York State, but all over the world started to adopt this model. Um, They're using this across seas, you know, where tribes are having wars and they're using this model as well in in these neighborhoods because they see it successful. Um, So New York State, they they adopted that philosophy and then they came up with their own, which is the snug philosophy. And then they've been teaching and training 
since 2009. And now we established to, to 12 sites throughout 12 cities in New York State. And by the end of this year, we're working on establishing that number to 15. And what drew me to the work is just being from the neighborhoods, being part of the culture that we're trying to help save. I'm, I see myself in all the, the youths that we're trying to, you know, service. So it was just like, you know, a passionate decision for me to get more involved in this particular work. Because like I said, I, I thought I was going to be in substance abuse work. You know, I just know I wanted to be helpful in some respect. So I didn't really know I was going to be in what they call crisis management now, principal messenger work. But now that I've got involved, I, I, I couldn't see myself anywhere else. And I think it's amazing that you're working. You grew up in Newburgh, and so you're very familiar with the area, and you decided to take a career that will help empower Newburgh. So thank you for that. Can you speak a little bit about the recent rise in gun violence and how it's affecting the Newburgh community? Um, gun violence, I think it's not even just Newburgh, because I am a, a resident of Newburgh now, but I wasn't a born resident. Um, my family came up from the five boroughs in the mid-late yeah, mid, 90s. So I've been, you know, accustomed to Newburgh, Middletown, just the whole Orange County as a whole. I've been in the Newburgh as of the late five to six years. So being, you know, accepted in this community has been, you know, a privilege in this position as a community leader. You have to have some type of, you know, not just empathy, but understanding and some type of connection to the neighborhood. And it was, you know, luckily not being born and raised resident of Newburgh, they was able to accept me and, you know, they accepted my truth. And they relate to it. So it was able, I was able to get the work done that needed to be done. And then I was able to actually, uh, you know, find people who are born and raised in the, in the neighborhood. Who we, had, we added to the staff who's been remarkable right now. You know, their family had both long history, generations of families within the city of Newburgh. So once you get the right people in the right place, you start seeing how the program flourishes. When you have uh, you know people born and raised in the neighborhood and they have that deep family connection, so like when something happens, immediately they can call and talk to two, three, four, five people, and then those conversations is really helpful in finding out what's what, who's who, and then being able to really realize, yo, y'all really arguing over nothing, and then you'd be surprised how many times that little conversation can convert uh, something that can become deadly. What is Snug doing to combat the, I guess, rise in violence across the world? Like, I understand that there's, in New York State, in New York City, there's a lot more violence than we're used to seeing. Of course, in Newburgh, there's always been a lot of violence, but still an increase in violence and more than we're used to seeing. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what Snug is doing, particularly as, I guess, as a reaction to the newer violence that we're seeing? Well, the newer violence that just... So uh, came in June, we had two incidents. And I highlight those, we had four in the month of June. And that's understanding, that's alarming. And um, last year we had one in June. But last year we had 28 shootings with boosters the whole year. So you gotta look at the numbers. If we go back and back, the numbers are actually decreasing. So it's, it's, when people look at Newburgh, they, they gotta understand when you start looking at the data, Newburgh is not as they make it seem in the media. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they'll talk about the two shootings, so there's a rise in gun violence, but they didn't talk about the 150 days we went without no gun violence. Like it, it was something in January that we went 150 some days until the, we had the incidents in June. So I don't want to just talk about the two those incidents. I'd rather talk about how we had a whole almost two, three months of healing when nobody was shot. 
And those are the things I like to talk about because that's what people need to hear more about. And I think it's all like, what's the, I forgot the actual phrase of the model, but when they say, you know, the neighborhood looks disgusting, people start feeling disgusting about where they live at because they look outside and they see all left out. I think it's the same thing if we continue to put that in people's heads, shooting, shootings in Newburgh. No, but, but why nobody talking about the 150 days that nobody was shot? Mm-hmm. But y'all going to talk about the day that we did have some outrageous activity. One day was a one hour, multiple people were shot. And I understand that is a tragedy. And we're going to make sure those families get all the resources that we can get them. But I'm not going to talk about that all week. I'm not going to talk about that all month. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to highlight that. Okay, it happened. And we're going to do what we're going to do to make that our space more of uh, available to people who might be in that space that maybe know there's an alternative. That's what we do. You know what I mean? But we're going to talk about those 150 days where nobody was shot. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to highlight that, talk about that every time we get the chance because people need to hear that we can do that in Newburgh. It can continue to be that way. Like nobody else has to be shot. And that's what I like to talk about more than just, oh yeah, there was an uprise. I know, there's an uprise everywhere. You know, there's an uprise in people that was probably stealing. We ain't talking about that though. You know what I'm saying? They, you know, it's just like sometimes I think the media plays a part in how people view Newburgh. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. And I would like to change that narrative. That's part of changing the norm. Is you know, that's how we start changing it from different avenues. So would you say that a way to change the narrative is that we have to highlight the pros more often rather than like the negatives? Yeah. We understand that sometimes when there's no sometimes. People, we get more views when they see the negative. We understand that. So it's about not putting that out as much and putting out what is needed to be put out so that energy is passed on and spread. You know what I mean? I think that's not something that I invented. I think that's something that's been working. People have been using that for a while. It's just not used enough because we all know negativity breeds more audience. People want to see that. Unfortunately, that's the narrative that has to change. Um, So what resources do y'all have for maybe youth who are feeling passionate about the 150 days that there was no violence and want to um, play an active role in contributing to make sure that that type of time frame with a community feeling safe will last longer? That's dope. I'm still trying to figure it out, too. We come up with ideas. We try to see what works. And if it don't, we try to revamp it, try to find out. The best way to do it is to find out what they might need, find out what those particular uh, needs of that particular community is looking for. That's the best thing for me is to find out those needs and then try to give it to them as best way possible. You know, sometimes they say you can't give everybody what they want if they're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody, I think everybody's an individual case. And it takes a lot. It takes a lot of patience to find out what particular resources, what particular family needs. And then you got to find out, are they ready for it? And you got to give it to them in incremental spaces so it's not misused or abused. So, you know, it's a lot to take in. But I just feel like as a community as a whole, we just find out what families need the most resources and we try to level it out as, as best way as possible. But that's a, a, continuous, a continuous combination of school boards, with, the, with you know, uh, community organizations, with local government. That's all of us working in, you know, in unison. It ain't going to happen with just everybody trying to do their own thing, trying to fix the same problem. It has to be like one united uh, effort. And it, you know, it takes a lot of people together, but I think that's how we're going to really find what we want to give them that's going to work. And I know that you mentioned that you don't want to focus on or talk about the negatives. 
I will say that going into this interview, I didn't realize that there was three whole months where no one was injured, there was no violence. And so I think something that's important out of this conversation is that we realize that the media only portrays what the media wants to. And so instead of looking at, oh, there's a rise in gun violence because we had two shootings this month versus, oh, there was no violence for the past three months. I know that there may be other listeners or other community members who might think that there is a rise in gun violence um, when you mentioned that it's actually decreasing. Um, but for those individuals, are there any resources that Snug offers that may be able to help them if they don't feel okay during these times? Yes. Um, specifically what the Snug can deliver families, especially victims of any violent act, I'm talking about on the case that could be domestic, it could be just fighting, stabbing, it doesn't always have to be to the extreme of gun violence. We have what we call OVS, which is Offensive Victim Services. Now, it's, we are a referral-based program. So mm-hmm. the majority of the work we do is referral-based, but as each site you'll go to, we have particular staff that have particular talents. And what we do is we try to absorb those talents and create different workshops and create different opportunities within each snug site that might be different from another snug site. So what we do have across all snug sites is a recording studio because we know that is one of the major um, attractions to the youth, they love music. So what we do is we offer free studio time, we offer workshops within those studios time, we offer um, different connections with different community people who have might be different things they might want to get into. Like Mr. Fitch has a film, he has uh, podcast studios, anything they might want to get into in multimedia aspects. We have multiple relationships depending on what they want to get into to get them into that. We have connections with Osborne who has a great um, in the Newburgh Youth Build program. We have great um, summer programs, opportunities for them. They can go in there and get internship programs. So we are really referral based. Um, we work under the umbrella of RECAP, which is Regional Economic Community Action Program. And they have Newburgh Services within there. They have a food pantry. They have what was Newburgh Services, which is a food advocacy program. Um, so they have a whole slew of resources under that umbrella that I have access to. So um, being an being a, a employee of RECAP definitely makes it very easy for us to tap into different things that RECAP has. And then we can offer that to our participants as well as uh, any community members that we bump into that we, that mean eligible for those requirements. But there's a lot of things and we always try to find new and more innovative ways to find opportunities for them to get, if it's not employment, some type of training, and definitely some type of things like if they want to have dreams and aspirations to do things, we want to find ways and means to, uh, to feed those ideas and, and give them more opportunities that they might not have been aware of. And then the last question we have for you is just as someone who has kind of found their passion and found a way to make a difference in your community, what advice would you give maybe to a youth who's feeling a bit powerless and wants to also find a way to make an impact and make a change in their community? Well, I got to tell them no ceilings. No mistake is a mistake. It's a lesson. Please don't be scared to go out your box. Don't be scared to get out your comfort zone. Make as many mistakes as possible. That is actually growth. You know what I mean? The more mistakes or new mistakes you make, you're learning from that. That's okay. I think I just think so many people are scared to step out the box because they're so scared to make a mistake. Like, so it's all right. It's understanding it's a process. And that's the the best advice that I give. No matter what mistakes you make, you can get up and start fresh and make a, a, a whole bunch of progress. 
There's no ceilings, there's no limitations, only the ones you put on yourself. Thank you for that. Those are all the questions we have for you. Is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners? I just appreciate this opportunity. I appreciate this platform. I, I take this very highly. I'm very passionate about my work. So anytime I get the opportunity to spread the energy that this, what we call snug love, that, that's what I love to do. So you know what I'm saying? I just want everybody to take that with you. Try to spread some snug love today. You know what I'm saying? And I think conflict resolution starts with everybody. It starts with our household. So you know what I mean? Any opportunity you got to not raise your voice or to catch something that you was going to say and catch yourself, that's snug love. I'm just try to spread that energy. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today and for giving us um, just a little bit of a positive hope, I guess. And perspective. Definitely changed my perspective. It's been very enlightening. And if anyone listening is interested in being interviewed or knows someone that might be interested in being interviewed for our podcast, please reach out to us via text or call at 845-248-3942. Thank you for listening.